I'm Joe Fulgen. Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Sasha Smolders. This is The Sandman, Issue 4, A Hope in Hell. Welcome back, everybody. Sorry about our absence. I was hit up by a pretty horrible virus for almost two weeks. Joe is really sick. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was so horizontal and so out of it. I couldn't even just use a laptop to do things. It was pretty bad. I was worried that you had the dreaming sand um, <laughs> from the last one. I was worried right. that you were just going to waste away in bed. Yeah. Hey, lover. <laughs> no, I'm not drugged up. I'm sick. He got so sick, he just started singing Mr. Sandman to me a lot. It was over and over disturbing. again. Couldn't help it. <sighs> Well, let's get right to it. Issue four, A Hope in Hell. Mm. Uh, this is still part of the storyline More Than Rubies and in the collection of Preludes and Nocturnes. This was released in March of 1989. As always, it was written by Neil Gaiman and, of course, lettered by Todd Klein, illustrated by Sam Keith and Mike Dringenberg. I've been saying his name wrong, and I'd like to apologize for that. I've so, been saying Dringenberg. So this particular issue was March of 89. Yes, so this is the issue that came out like for my when I was born. Yeah, this is my issue. Yeah, it's your, it's your birthday birth issue, issue, and it has Lucifer in it. Yes, <laughs> <sighs> fitting. Yes. Colored by Daniel Vazo, edited by Karen Berger, and I've I looked up. I even I didn't exactly know what a comic book editor, and I felt bad for not mentioning Karen because Karen was instrumental in getting these Vertigo comics okay. out there like that. She's a, a, an amazing editor. An editor is kind of like a movie producer. Oh, in all of that stuff where you're the go-between that goes, "Hey, have you got your stuff done on time? Yeah. Oh, you need a thing. I'll get that for you. Oh, you got to find that out. Oh, uh, we got to send that off to the printers. Hey, send me the art in on your FTP so we can get it all done. Yeah, they're the spider in the middle of the web, getting all the comic stuff ready from all the creatives. They're the super soccer mom. Yeah, yeah, the exactly. super duper soccer mom <laughs> okay. of yeah. all genders, but the super duper soccer mom. The soccer parent yeah yeah sure who's got their shit together for everybody right. and everybody else as well my summary for this issue is simply after recovering his pouch of sand dream heads to hell for his helm mm-hmm. on the cover we have lucifer it's uh, done by dave mckean as always yeah i wasn't sure who that was when i first read it through and then yeah. uh, i came back to it and it's Pretty definitely obvious. lucifer he's got his curly hair he looks younger though he looks like a kid he does. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that you would note that he looks younger. In the Dust Covers, uh, Collected Sandman Covers book that I have, Neil notes that a very young David Bowie, back when he was still a folky, was mm -hmm. their inspiration for Lucifer. Now, I was going to say David Bowie or Mick Jagger. When I was looking at him, I a thought little, the hair was a little more Mick Jagger. So Young David Bowie had that big poof. Yeah, okay. yeah. As a matter of fact, I... The Sandman annotations, which I've been taking a lot of my initial notes from, mm -hmm. notes that some of those pictures of David Bowie might actually be traced simply straight from promo oh. shots. They're, yeah. they're so close. But I, I tried to find early Bowie promo shots that matched up, but I couldn't. Okay. So they're not on Google yet, as far as I can tell. Mm. But if somebody can, if anybody out there goes, oh, I know what that is and can find that picture, I would love to see some of the ones that match up. Oh, yeah. We'll just post them side by side. Yeah. The printed text that's showing up behind the burned, I guess, book covers or burned pieces of paper here is Dante's uh, Inferno. I thought it might be that. Right. Yeah. We can see Purgatory, uh, Canto 14, uh, things like that in there. So definitely that. And they did actually burn a little bit, which Neil says they did in lieu of setting it alight and photographing it while burning. Mm. 
On page one, we have Dream hanging out at a place called the Nightward Shores of Dream, which appears to mm-hmm. be a, a dock uh, overlooking some kind of water, but it, it really feels like the water is also a star. star. Yeah, it's like the stars above and then right. the stars below. It's all one, it but it's of... like this dock sitting on the edge of, of dreams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's sort of contemplating his existence, mm-hmm. his endless existence and his loneliness and and his sand, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's very melodramatic. Yeah, he should be happy. Well, he he's still has a lot back. of stuff to get. So yeah, it's true. I'm not going to say he should be happy yet, but, you know, he might. He could probably tone down the melancholy like yeah. a little bit. Yes, agreed. Dream could tone down the melancholy. He does note, you say the word endless, that is the name of his family. Yeah. And it's also what his family is, which is yeah. endless, eternal, never That's helpful away. when the name of you is also like a really good descriptor. That's right. Uh, some families out there should take the family name Jerkwad. Yeah. So that we can all know in advance. Yeah. Should uh, that mean we should change our last name to like Awesome Sauce? I don't know. I can't really... I'm sometimes not, not terrible sometimes not terrible how's that i think that's accurate occasionally worthy oh <laughs> that's so good <laughs> okay we're gonna we're gonna workshop that new last name change at the bottom of the page dream mentions that he must talk to the morning star mm-hmm. the morning star is of course lucifer lucifer is latin for the planet venus and it's taken from the Latin Vulgate, which is a uh, late 4th century Latin translation of the Bible that became, during the 16th century, the Catholic Church's official Latin version of the Bible. And in it, they had translated the Hebrew word Heliel, which is supposed to mean shining one or light bringer, to Lucifer, which is actually the Latin word for Venus. Oh. They call that the morning star, right? It, it's the one that yeah. comes up before the sun does. Uh, yeah, and it's the brightest one because it's a planet. It's yeah, close yeah. By. Okay, that's cool. That's pretty cool. I really like over the next page that it, it is the title, like it, it has the title A Hope in Hell and the only bit of speech in it, or I guess in interior monologue from Dream is I do not have high hopes for the meeting. Yeah. So he's like, I don't have high hopes. I'm going to hell. He's realistic about and, yeah. it. And it just, it all ties in really well. It's a, altogether just a really good page because of that. Yep. And then as you flip over the page here, he jumps into the endless water, water space thing and he ends up at the gates of hell where he bangs on a gong 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 and he meets squatter bloat this is actually the first appearance of squatter bloat oh he's he's not appeared in any other uh, comics as far as we know he has an axe arm he has an axe arm squatter bloat also speaks in rhyme and he speaks in a type of rhyme called a triolet which is a poem of eight lines typically of eight syllables although here it uh, varies and it rhymes a b a a a b a b and so on and structured so that the first line recurs as the fourth and the seventh and the second as the eighth oh so the first a b gets repeated as the last a b and the a in the middle is the exact same as that a at the start that forms the a b and this is not a new thing that Neil made up. This is actually established DC Comics uh, demon hierarchy. Yeah, some of them rhyme and some of them don't. Some of them rhyme, some of them don't. DC has established that those who rhyme are higher in hell's hierarchy. And on panel five, we have a new title for Morpheus. Oh, what is that? King of Dreams, which we've heard before, 
of the nightmare realms. Ooh. So he is king of the nightmare realms. King of dreams of the nightmare realms. Yeah. He's collecting more names than Daenerys Targaryen, Stormborn, yes. first of her name, mother of dragons, Khaleesi, badass, the blonde, who is unburnt and has is badass. Mother of dragons? Did we say that? I said mother of dragons. Oh, yeah. There's going to be more, right? She's mother of dragons and then she's like sister of serpents and like cool is she cousin. sister of serpents i don't know <laughs> let's save that for the game of thrones podcast okay <laughs> that we're not doing i think someone else has got that covered probably many people <laughs> uh i like here that what's his name Squatterblot sasses dream and dream gives him a knuckle sandwich right in the face it's good yeah grabs his weird face that seems to be dark tentacles or dark i I don't even know what that is like it's dripping it's it's dripping it's dripping gore and he grabs it and throws him Mm -hmm. which is pretty physical for dream it seems we haven't really seen much in the way of physical contact i guess he you know probably when in rome yeah like these are demons demons know demons work this way yeah and he's saying like i'm the king yeah so take me to your king yeah because like treat me like a goddamn king yeah. <laughs> Stop calling me a clown. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then we have um, someone shows up, the Etrigan. Etrigan, yes. Etrigan is a demon from hell who often finds himself allied to the forces of good, mainly because of the alliance be- between the heroic characters of the DC universe and a human named Jason Blood, to whom <laughs> Etrigan is bound. I know. Jason Blood. I know. And he tends to have long hair and a ponytail. And he's oh, just, uh, yeah, it's, but he's a, he's a good guy human who's bound to this demon called Etrigan I, and keeps pulling. He, he basically, he's kind of like a demon Hulk. He turns into Etrigan. Etrigan comes from hell. Jason Blood goes away and Etrigan beats the crap out of people. And then he turns back into Jason Blood. That's reminding me of that character in Ironwood. there's a girl in ironwood who becomes a demon ironwood is an adult comic by bill willingham if you can check it out it's uh it's really fantastic for basically a porn comic it's really good for a porn comic and there's a character in it who in order to protect herself Mm -hmm. she can transform into a huge like awesome terrifying demon Mm -hmm. but then she can only transform back if that demon gets off yeah, it has to get so laid. So somebody has to then then she disappears. She's just this giant demon and then until the demon gets laid, she doesn't right. get to come back. She's she's the the captain of a pirate ship, right? Yeah. She's the pirate queen or Yeah, whatever. let's save that for the Ironwood podcast. Yeah, check out <laughs> Ironwood like just do it. Just check out Ironwood. Don't read it in public though. <laughs> Etrigan was created by Jack Kirby, the the famous, the amazing Jack Kirby, uh, back in August of 1972. First appearance was actually in his own comic, The Demon Number 1. Oh. Etrigan's rhyme scheme here seems to be A, B, A, B, and 10 beats per line. I'm not exactly sure if it's iambic pentameter, but it could be done that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't originally rhyme, except during his own summoning. He had this uh, let slip the form of man arise the demon Etrigan. Okay. He would have this thing, but other than that, Pretty he would basic then, rhyme there, yeah. But then he would show up and just not rhyme. And then in 1984, the writer Len Wein had him rhyming in DC Comics Presents number 66, and that kind of stuck with no explanation. Neil here has said, oh, it's because he's risen in Hell's Hierarchy. Etrigan says, well, things change. Mm. And that generally stuck until writer John Byrne, who really hated that Etrigan rhymed, actually had it removed 
and said, yeah, I don't have to rhyme anymore. And a whole bunch of other writers completely ignored that and had <laughs> him rhyming whenever he showed up in theirs. So does that trick and rhyme? Eh, if he wants to. Continuity, not a thing. Well, when you're the writer, you get to make the call, right? Sure. When you get to have control over that character, you go, I don't want him rhyming anymore. And they're like, well, nobody else is writing Etrigan. Go ahead, have him not rhyme anymore. Okay, well, so does that? that's, that's the explanation for how he's half-man? That's why he calls him half-man, yeah, because he's tied to this human. But when he's in hell here, he's not half-man. Right, it's, it's because, like, soul-wise, he's kind of half-man. He's tied to a human. And then... It's not, the, that he's, the, it's not that like his mother was a demon and his father was a human. It's no. not that. But then the human he's tied to isn't named Merlin. So why is he called Merlin's demon? Etrigan is actually the son of the demon Belial, and he was summoned by the wizard Merlin, who is oh. actually his half-brother. Whoa. Because I guess Merlin's dad is Belial as well, because Merlin is half-demon. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I guess that makes sense. So they head past these trees, and it the turns wood? out it's the Wood of Suicides. Yeah. Uh, which originally was a tiny grove, but this must have been a very long time ago. I don't think that Dream comes to hell very often. We're getting the impression that it's been a while. Not This hasn't just been the last 70 years. So actually, the Wood of Suicides is from Dante's Inferno. It's oh. in the second round of the Seventh Circle. The suicides are denied a human form in hell because they destroyed their own bodies. Mm. And since the supreme expression of their life was their destruction, they can only express themselves, in other words, speak, when they're being destroyed. So long as they bleed, the suicides may talk. They find their expression through their own blood. So you'll notice... He snaps off a branch. Dream snaps off a branch, and the suicide starts talking. I wondered why mm -hmm. he did that. Like, I... It was weird. I read it when I first was reading it. I, like, fixated on that snapped branch, and I thought it was going to, like... There was going to be a stick in his hand later, like it was going to yeah, come up. Jab later. it in the eye. But then it never did. Well, I didn't know what it was going to be, yeah, but yeah, I just yeah. like assumed that something would happen. But then it never came up again, and I immediately forgot it. Right. <laughs> so again, I mean, this is the thing that I love doing the research on this for, is you find out what that was for. That was Neil going, I know how the Wood of Suicides works, and so does Dream. And I guess Dream wanted to hear a story. Mm. Snap. He knew that in order to do that, the suicide to, would be able to tell what happened. He'd have to damage the tree in some yeah. way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. After the Wood of Suicides, we walked by the souls entombed to pity, an ugly sight. Mm. Now, it's interesting. Someone recognizes Dream. Yeah. And calls out to him. And calls him. Uh, he called... I can't even pronounce that. You're going to have to go for it. I think it's pronounced Kai Kool. Mm. Or Does perhaps Kai Kool. Her name is Nada. Which, oh, that's a woman? That is a woman. I didn't... I just assumed it was a man. No, it's not a... It is one of his lovers. I will... I mean, I guess that's a bit of a spoiler because there's not oh. much in the way of gender presentation there. Well, it's been 10,000 years, Nada. Yes, I still love you, but I have not forgiven you yet. And in Dream also changes... Well, not yet His face you. looks different, too. He looks like he's black when he talks to her. That's right. It seems he appears differently depending on who's looking. Mm, okay. At least that's my feeling so far. Okay. So I'm interested. So this is 10,000 years ago. He was in love with a human or is she not human? Well, maybe? we don't know that yet. Like how bad do you have to be to get sent there? Yeah. Like what did she have to do? What indeed? Like seriously, talk about being a bad ex. Like you get yeah. entombed? In hell. Entombed in hell? In hell, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, um, Dream notes here that uh, that there's a reason why Etrigan probably brings him this way, right? Like, because yeah, Etrigan could Etrigan could take him through any route mm-hmm. there, right? I imagine hell is much like the dreaming, where you just sort of create your route there. You oh know? gosh, did I lead you past your lover that you sent here ten thousand years ago? Hmm. What oh, a what dick. A- what a horrible coincidence. I am yeah, so... Yeah, like right past her. You wanted to get to Lucifer really fast. This was the fastest path I mm. knew. Honest, mm-hmm. Dream Lord. Yeah, yeah. Demons are evil, right? They're yeah. evil. Ugh. Ugh. So over the next page, we get a shot of Lucifer's palace. It's actually which... the city of Dis. Oh, that's the... But it also says Lucifer's palace. It's the... Yes. Um, which to me looks like a way more like heavy metal version of um of dreams palace yeah, yeah the first thing that pops out to me well the first thing that pops out to me is upside down pentagram loving it for the door but the second thing that pops out to me is the creature right in the very front who has one two three four five who has six boobs um mm-hmm. and a melty fish face but literally has a front bum and when i say front bum yeah. like it's a, a bum actually a front bum yeah. on the front real front bum Mm-hmm. Nature's wonders. Yeah. Yeah. Very demonic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Dante Alighieri's The Divine Comedy, the city of Dis encompasses the sixth through the ninth circles of hell. And in the bottom, we'll actually see Lucifer has bat wings. You see more of them in, in the other yeah. pages as well. Traditionally, Lucifer's wings were torn off as part of his punishment when mm-hmm. being thrown from heaven. So then did he grow demon so, wings afterwards, maybe? Yeah, we don't know exactly, but I guess for his new fallen station, he decided to grow some bat wings, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Then something I notice about this palace and also the dream palace mm-hmm. is there's these like weird kind of egg-shaped gems, these oval gem structures. I think those are windows. Okay, because it's on feeling, this... But- but then it's also, I noticed they were on Dream's Palace as well, but they're blue, mm-hmm. I think, in that one. Okay. So it just kind of struck me as a, a design, and I'm interested in, in it. It was a fascinating little... Yeah, same it. artist, uh, yeah. and perhaps trying to tie the two together a little bit, that these different kings of the various realms have similar castles, I suppose. Mm-hmm. We get our first full-on look of Lucifer on the next page. I definitely see the David Bowie. This is a David Bowie shot. I'm I'm sure I've seen this actual photo of a young David Bowie (laughs) before, uh, without the bat wings in behind. Mm. Uh, And also, I love that his text is in this beautiful little script. Yeah, it made it a little hard to read. He's definitely a fallen angel. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, Lucifer was always said to be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Lucifer, when Dream shows up, asks him if he's come to forge an alliance yeah. uh, between the Dreams and Hell. And Dream immediately is like, you know my thoughts on that. You know my uh, so like I'm really curious about like, what would happen if Hell and Dreams were united? If they were one Lots kingdom. Of nightmares. It would just become a nightmare realm forever. I guess so, yeah. Or mostly a nightmare realm, yeah, <sighs> for sure. Yeah. Do you think maybe that's why Constantine has has been having these nightmares? Like maybe he's been dealing with demons oh, too much? For and sure. So, the, the demons have tried to send him nightmares. I, I yeah. absolutely believe that. Yeah. Okay. Hell really hates Constantine. Yeah. 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 Interesting. On that same panel, Lucifer also asks about his family, and we get one more name. We've heard of Destiny before. We've heard of Death before. 
despair. Ooh, despair. Mm. Another D. Mm. The Eeyore of the Endless. Sandy lays it all out for Lucy. <laughs> Lucy and Sandy. <laughs> yeah, Lucy and Sandy. <laughs> okay. He lays it out. His helm is gone. It's yeah. missing, and a demon has stolen it. Can't find my hat. Can't find my hat, man. It was taken from me. We find out, Lucy tells Sandy that, unfortunately, he's not kind of in charge anymore. He yeah. shares leadership with two other big kahunas. And Dream's like, no way. Yeah. Yeah, basically, right? Who dethrones Lucifer? Yeah, this is actually fallout from the Crisis on Infinite Earths that happened in DC Comics. Uh, Lucifer was forced to accept Beelzebub and Azazel as co-rulers. In Christian demonology, Beelzebub is one of the seven princes of hell. The, Lord of the Flies. Yeah, he is. The Dictionnaire Infernal describes Beelzebub as a demonic fly who was also known as the Lord of the Flies. Mm. Milton wrote of Beelzebub, than whom Satan except none higher sat. So according to Milton, Beelzebub is the number two in hell, basically. Okay. There's only Satan above Beelzebub. According to the Book of Enoch, Azazel is one of the leaders of the rebellious Watchers in the time preceding the Flood. The Watchers were angels dispatched to Earth to watch over the humans. They soon began to lust for human women, and at the prodding of their leader, Samyaza, defect en masse to illicitly instruct humanity and procreate among them. The offspring of these unions are the Nephilim, savage giants who pillage the Earth and endanger humanity. Uh, Azazel is famous or infamous for teaching men the art of warfare, of making swords, knives, shields, and coats of mail, and women the art of, quote, deception by ornamenting their body, dyeing their hair, and painting the face and eyebrows, and also revealed to the people the secrets of witchcraft and corrupted their manners, leading them into wickedness and impurity. He's basically a fallen angel who went, now to teach humans all the bad stuff I know. Oh my god, so Azazel? Azazel. Azazel is responsible for my Sephora addiction. Yes. And for my deceptive ways. And my yeah. witchcrafty ways. Witchcraft. My eyebrow pencil witchcraft. Hmm. On this page where he's he's met as as Azazel. 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 <laughs> when he's met Azazel, there's a weird clock in the, the middle panel. There's just a clock. Yeah. Why is that there? I don't know. It's a good note. Just remember that clock. Okay. I guess I don't always get answers to everything. No spoilers. <gasps> mm. I'll just say this. Watch for the clock again. Okay. Watch the clock. So the three of them are like, all right. Which demon? Somebody took your, someone took your hat. Yep. Who took it? And Sandy's <laughs> like, I don't know. And so they're like, all right, we'll summon all of them. And so when you flip the page, we have this amazing demon spread. Love it. My favorite demon, I decided I had to pick a favorite demon. Okay. And Joe, you can take your time to pick your favorite demon. Sure. Just below the tower, there's a creature that looks like a, a lizard. Uh, he has oh. a red eye and kind of a bluish body. Yeah, I can see And him. his pose reminds me of, I'm not sure if you remember when the Hawkeye initiative yeah, was yeah. a thing on the internet. But it for anyone who does look like the, the if anyone, pose, yeah. if anyone doesn't know what the Hawkeye initiative is, just look it up. It's essentially after the first Avengers movie came out, a bunch of people who were upset with how female characters in comic books were being posed. They decided to draw the character of Hawkeye in those stereotypical poses. Uh, and it became huge. And some of the art is so amazing. It's yeah. total cheesecake 
like style of art and it's beautiful and wonderful and i love it so much i'll try to put some up in the show notes this demon reminds me of the hawkeye initiative i think my favorite's probably the uh three little red ones in the corner they just look like little imps but uh, they seem to be the ones having the best time they do they've got quite the smile they They have quite the dentist too those teeth are very white yeah yeah not a space between them yeah yeah dental surgery in hell seems to be uh pretty good Mm -hmm. or maybe they have fluoride in the water like lots of oh, it. could be. Do you yeah. think there's? Do you think they have fluoridation in hell? <laughs> that one actually does have mind control, though. But then, it's, if you it's look hellish fluoridation, if you look up at the green one, he doesn't have any teeth. Yeah. So maybe they don't, because you would expect then if they did have fluoride in the water that they'd all have really nice teeth. But maybe it doesn't drink water. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Only Mountain Dew. That's right. <laughs> So in order for Sandy to find the demon that stole his hat, he uses a bit of the sand and he sends it out to be a magical ribbon of sparkly goodness. And it finds... um, Caronzon. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the guy... What is his name? The guy who wrote Rocky Horror and he also played uh, Riff Raff. Jim Sharman or Richard O'Brien? Richard O'Brien. It's Richard O'Brien. He's like a pink Richard O'Brien with two mouths. That's my initial thought of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's a good call. Mm-hmm. Especially with the fishnets. Caronzon is a demon that originated in writing with the 16th century occultists Edward Kelly and John D. You may recognize that last name. Within the latter's occult system of Enochian magic. In the 20th century, he became an important element within the mystical system of Thelema, founded by Aleister Crowley, where he is the, quote, dweller in the abyss, believed to be the last great obstacle between the adept and enlightenment. Hmm. So real, well, real, quotes, demon that Neil has uh, taken to use. And also being tied to Aleister Crowley, this was a demon that the people who worked for Burgess, and after they fled, they summoned to go, please protect us. Yeah. So fits in there quite nicely yeah 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 it works his glasses are really cool they remind me a little bit of garnet's glasses from steven universe a little bit yeah little they're kind of kind of punk rock those mirror glasses yeah very 80s sandy says like give me my shit back dude and our um pepto-bismol friend uh, basically says like i got it fair and square yeah. so if you want to take it from me you're gonna have to challenge me and Sandman is not sure that he can beat him, which like kind of that makes me sad because I like to think of Sandman as like ultra powerful, pretty badass. Yeah, and but this he's, like, again weak. Sc- this scrawny little demon is gonna take him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's not a fight, right? It's not a straight up power fight. But although, we don't know this when we're reading. We have although, no idea. Yeah, it's a creative fight. Yeah, is what I love. Yeah. And I'm so like, why would you challenge the Lord of Dreams to this kind of fight? Yeah, that seems strange. <laughs> so he challenges him and the battlefield is reality. Yes. He brings them to it's called the Hellfire Club. Mm-hmm. The Hellfire Club was actually a name for several exclusive clubs for high society rakes established in Britain and Ireland in the 18th century. A rake being basically uh, a young, rich male who would just go get drunk and high and party all the time. Okay. Yeah. It's cool. It's definitely got that wretched hive of scum and villainy going for it. Yeah, being populated by demons uh, mm-hmm. can kind of do that for you, for sure. Mm-hmm. I really like this one demon who has uh, six eyes, and she's got the happy the smiley faces on her uh, on her boobs. Yep. 
them some them some good pasties and like a little flapper hat Ugh, it's all good it's all real good when i first looked at this page i thought oh my god is he challenging him to like a slam poetry fight is that what's happening here <laughs> is this like gonna be a slam oh, poetry be, throwdown that would be amazing that might actually be what would happen if it were done now yeah yeah, yeah i think so but this is also quite good I like this a lot. Yeah, I remember really liking this and going, oh man, can we try that game sometime? And none of my friends were ever into it or playing, wanting to play it right or anything like that. I played a game a little bit like this, but it, it involved more random chance. And mm. what, what we would do is, uh, we'd do this when we would go hiking on long hikes and we didn't have anything to, to uh, amuse ourselves. So each of us would pick a character of some kind. And what you would do is, is you would challenge... Uh, another person's character with your character and you would describe if you were attacking you would describe your method of attack and they would right. describe their method of defense and then you would do rock paper scissors and the person who won either successfully defended okay. which would humiliate the attacking character mm -hmm. or you successfully attacked which could kill the okay. defending character and we would go through and it was great there was like tinkerbell was like sending nukes to the moon and <laughs> and like it was just great it was a really fun way to work your imagination right yeah so i highly suggest playing that game to anyone. okay there is a card game kind of similar to that called super fight Mm -hmm. where you get random cards of uh, characters and little additions onto them, and then you have to argue why your combo would win in a fight, oh. and then other people decide which of you would have actually won that. Oh, I saw you fun. play that. Yeah, you, yeah. You played that at a, at a convention. At Fan North, Fest. I did, Northwest I, Fan I, Fest. I played that publicly at yeah. Fan Fest, yeah. With a bunch of improvisers, and then everyone acted it out afterwards. Yeah, including at least one of the double clicks. That was really cool. Yeah, that was a really cool that was fun. event. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this current battle, it escalates. It goes from dire wolf to, like, hunting dude to spider and fly, mm -hmm. uh, all the way up through snake and bison, and then anthrax. And then at that point, Dream realizes he has to take a different approach. Yeah. And so instead of increasing the destruction, he decides to make sort of creation. Yeah. He abandons he, the offensive. Yeah, and he says, I think I know. He says, I think I understand how how Karanzan plays. And there are some chess players who very quickly understand the way that you play chess mm -hmm. and know how to beat you and then just maneuver you towards that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what's going on, I think, here with Dream. He's like really good at this and finally going, uh, okay, yeah, I get it. Here we go. Let's, let's maneuver this to where I'm going to win. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he becomes a world and... Space floating, life nurturing. And I love the very next panel, Lucifer going, hmm. Like, you, there's no sound, there's no text, but just the look on Lucifer's face is he's got a drink up going, like his internal monologue is probably, what is he doing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, I really think he's giving him bedroom eyes, like really intense bedroom eyes. That's pretty angry eyes there. I... I, and I think from what we've read of more of this, well, it could be both. <laughs> could be both. But what we've read here, for some reason, Lucifer really hates Dream. Oh, yeah, but right? is it like love-hate? I'm sorry, I ship all the characters. <laughs> yeah, I know. You really, your prediction was that Dream would meet a demon lover. Yeah. And you were so close because he met an ex-lover mm -hmm. and then fought a demon. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, I'm still holding it out for Lucifer and sure. Dream once they figure their shit out. So Karanzan goes straight to exploding Nova, planet cremating. Uh, Dream goes to the universe. Karanzan decides, oh, the 
anti-life, beast of judgment, dark at the end of everything. That's it. You can't possibly beat that. Everything's ever, everything ever is going to die. Ha I'm ha. I'm the end I win. of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I win. And Dream becomes the last thing left in Pandora's box. Hope. Oh, hope I didn't, in hell. I didn't realize the Pandora's box reference. I don't know how much of a reference it is, but that's it certainly was that. It was the yeah. one good thing left in that box. Or perhaps the most terrible thing, that some people argue, actually. Oh, we're about to get philosophical here on the podcast? Uh, no, I'll let other people get philosophical about what that actually means, yeah. hope being the last thing in Pandora's box. I've Fe seen both. Feel free to get philosophical in the comment section of this I, post. I believe I read that the <laughs> Greeks were pretty downer about that, that they about were like, hope. oh, it's a good thing hope didn't get out because we would have had hope and just been like, why would we have hope? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Lisa, I've read that somewhere. I'm, I'm, that's not part of my research, though, so I could be completely wrong. Mm, pretty, it's a pretty strong point to take there that the, uh, the Greeks were just downers who hated hope. All of them. And light and goodness. I call this I Am Hope the first mic drop of the issue. Mm -hmm, There's sure. another one coming. <laughs> yes. We'll, we're getting to it soon. But yeah, I Am Hope uh, is the first mic drop. And one of the demons, if you look into the corner of the page, one of the demons, it looks like he's licking another demon and it just says slurb. It's great. Right at the bottom. Oh, corner. yeah, at the bottom of 19 there. And the interesting um, parallel right there is that right now Loki is licking my hand and making a very similar sound. So you're saying Loki is a demon. Slurp. <laughs> Drink slurp cola. <laughs> so on our next page, Pepto Bismol is. Karanzan. Totally stumped. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know. know. I don't know. Uh, Agony and Ecstasy are Lucifer's enforcers. They first appeared in Hellblazer number 12. And they basically find demons who have embarrassed hell that deserve to get punished. And then they go and punish them terribly for, you know, a long, long time. See, I didn't know the stakes were going to be so high for Mr. Pepto-Bismol. I don't think Karanzan did either. I think this is a sign of just how displeased Lucifer is that he lost this fight. Mm. Like, you see, again, you go back to see Lucifer's eyes when Dream starts that gambit and Lucifer's like, crap we're probably going to lose this one mm. and then just because he lost a little challenge against the dream lord lucifer says yeah send in my two enforcers who go after after the very worst and most insulting demons of hell who tort and then torture them forever so is it so agony mad. it's agony and ecstasy, agony and ecstasy so yeah. that so that you don't become acclimatized to one or the other yeah, i think so so the the agony is so much worse because then you have some ecstasy and then the agony gets you know back i believe and forth. that's how it works they didn't go into much detail in the hellblazer comic i did mm -hmm. take a look at it mm -hmm. so sandy gets his his magic hat back yep and he won it fairly. And he's like thanks man i'm gonna get out of here uh you guys are honorable but i'm gonna split and Lucifer just kind of laughs, and he's like, honorable? <laughs> Dude. Look around you. I'm fucking Satan. Yeah. All of the lords of hell are are gathered around you. Like, why would I let you leave? Which, to me, further enforces the whole, like, sure, okay. Sure, he wants to kidnap Sandman so that he can force him to, like, align dreams with hell or whatever. Sure. But also, maybe he wants to kidnap him so that he can Stockholm Syndrome him, and they can be boyfriends. Okay? I'm holding out. Okay, we'll, we'll see how that works out in the future. <laughs> and then uh, Dream gets his final speech, which is fantastic. And it ends with him 
actually making the hand gesture for mic drop. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Patung. <laughs> like he's you can't see it, but there's a microphone falling. There's an invisible <laughs> microphone. What's more obnoxious, a real mic drop or like when you fake mic drop, when you mime mic drop? That's right. What power would hell have if those here imprisoned were not able to dream of heaven? Mic drop. drop. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just walks out and the demons all go, oh, yeah, he's got a good point. Like Moses (laughs) through a sea of demonic lords of hell. Right. So even though they know they could defeat him, right? They could jump him and make him stay there. But then nobody would dream of heaven anymore, mm-hmm. and hell would just lose its power. Yeah, hell would just so they're like, be worth it. Well, he's got us. So good. Also, I like how they stay parted. You know what I mean? Like they all yeah. back up and they just like leave it there, and it's yeah. so ominous. Ugh. And then the curse of Lucifer as he walks away. One day, my brothers. One day, I shall destroy him. Hmm. Sure. Sure. With love. Yes. And then we've got our epilogue. Yeah. John D., son of Ethel D. slash Cripps. Uh, Ethel has finally passed away and no longer needs her protective amulet, so she's left it to her son. It's probably not a good thing. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, that's John D., and that's that amulet. Remember, they kept trying to kill Ethel and Ruthven Sykes with the spells, and it didn't work until Ethel left Ruthven Sykes... And she took that amulet with her. Yeah. And it protected her, but then Ruthven died. So she's been free and safe from all sorts of perils because she's had it. That's why she she gave her son everything except mm. that amulet. Yeah. But now she's died, just of old age, I guess, that won't keep her alive forever. And she's left it to him. And he says, thank you, mother. It's just what I always wanted. Hmm. Ah. So now... He and he formerly had the ruby, but yeah. now he's got this. So is he going to come back? Is he going to like? Well, what do you think is going to happen next issue? What's the title of the next issue? Well, at the bottom here it says "Next Monsters and Miracles," mm-hmm. but it's actually called "Passengers." Oh, lies, lies. Well, maybe I can take that as an extra spoiler to help me decide what the next one is. So it's Passengers and also Monsters and Miracles. Mm -hmm. Well, now, Sandman still needs to go to the Justice League to get his ruby back. Right. But they're not monsters. I guess they're kind of miraculous. No. There is a member of the Justice League called Mr. Miracle. Yeah, but now I feel like you telling me that you wouldn't want to spoil it for me. So I feel like that's... Hokey's so clumsy. I feel like you wouldn't want to spoil that for me. So just you bringing that up makes me feel like it's not... For those of you who can't see him right now, Joe is waggling his eyebrows. (laughs) Uh, I just got to make a wild prediction. Um, Passengers... He goes to the Justice League. I'm just going to guess it. He goes to the Justice League and and he meets the Miracle Man. No, man, that seems too easy. I don't like that prediction. I don't like it. But th- then does he just go, oh, here's your ruby? No, 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 no. No, it's not going to be that easy. Um, It's not going to be slam poetry, though. 
I think he might have to. I'm thinking too hard about this. Yeah. I'm thinking way too hard about this. I don't know why suddenly the stakes seem to be so high in my brain. Um, <laughs> I think the problem is I don't know very much about the Justice League. Yeah, that's fair. I so, really want him to meet so, Batman. I really, really want him to meet Batman. So my prediction is kay. that he meets Batman and he is a passenger in the Batmobile. <laughs> okay. That is my prediction. <laughs> okay, good. We'll, we will see if Dream goes for a ride in the Batmobile. Okay. Next issue. <laughs> You've been dreaming of the Sandman, issue four, A Hope in Hell. For links, images, and show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash thedreaming. Rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, and please tell your friends. Our theme music is Onerai by Kai Engel. Hear more at kaiengel.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up.